supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. that's right my name is scott adams you're listening to the scott adams show I want to thank everybody for tuning in today well prime minister of england is rishi sunak rishi sunak happened directly after our show yesterday and um it turns out that uh there's a couple of pros and cons to this um so there are more cons than pros it seems like but he is the richest guy that ever uh, stepped foot in 10 Downing Street. That's for sure. He's super rich. But he made his own money through Goldman Sachs. Uh, he uh, graduated Stanford and uh, also at Oxford. And, um, you know, so he got his American education, uh, took a lot of our ideas, perhaps. And... You know, he was the uh, son of a doctor and a uh, teacher, I think, and uh, or perhaps an artist. I'm not sure, the mother, but uh, the father was a doctor. And and um, so Rishi Sunak uh, is the first non-white uh, prime minister over at the United Kingdom. And he becomes the British prime minister as of today after meeting with King Charles III. So he did that today, and um, I guess that's kind of big news, but it's big news because of the impact it has on the world, the global stage. The one tea leaf I took in the, initially was that he supported Brexit. He was a big fan of Brexit. Not a big fan. He supported the will of the people, and he was trying to figure out ways to make it work. But then again... Liz Truss was also a Remainer and uh, ended up being uh, getting a seat at the table to, to uh, fight for the British people's right to Brexit. But Rishi, uh, supposedly part of the Conservative Party, you know, one would think, okay, he supports Brexit, he's conservative, but he is a Klaus Schwab, Schwab disciple. He, he's completely Klaus Schwab. He supports digital currency. He supports the entire 
um, globalist playbook. And this is the part that scares me. But he also is against the overstimulation spending. But then again, so, so does Klaus Schwab say that. So let's take a listen to a couple of clips. Uh, we have a good amount of clips today that we're going to be playing and uh, talking about uh, there was a debate in Florida uh, between DeSantis and Chris. Um, Kerry Lake is making some traction. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about something that Tucker was saying last night that I thought was important. Um, and then uh, Ted Cruz found himself on The View of all places. And uh, there were some interesting dyna- you know, exchanges there as well. And the reason why I think these things are important is because even CNN and, and uh, The View and MSNBC and NBC are starting to... To crack, meaning they can't hide it for too much longer. You know, these Democrats have been ducking and dodging their conservative opponents, trying to think that they could play the old Biden playbook of, you know, basically take, taking uh, uh, insulin shots or whatever he was taking in his basement and just avoiding answering any questions so that you could wreak havoc and destroy the middle class in America, which is really what they're doing on purpose. And why are they doing it? I mean, I think a lot of this stuff, the uh, violent crime that Tucker was talking about last night, the violent crime, and uh, the drug dependency, I think it's just getting out the weak. It's, it's sort of like the COVID. COVID got rid of the old. Fentanyl's getting rid of the weak-minded and the disenfranchised and the lost and confused. Just kill them. Just get rid of them. And how do you kill them? You don't put them up on a firing squad. What you do is you allow fentanyl, and fentanyl is going to kill the weak. The strong, the people with the good upbringings, are going to avoid these things. Trust me, these these masterminds of market technology and ethnography and sociology, it all comes from marketing and PR and our business schools at the Ivy Leagues who know exactly how a person's going to think. They know how to indoctrinate you now. All these masterminds in Silicon Valley that are uh, tweaking these algorithms to get you to think a certain way impacts the weak-minded. It impacts the people that could be easily manipulated. And they've done a good job at that. It's worth billions of dollars in illegal campaign uh, finance, campaign contributions. It's illegal as could be, but they're doing it. And the radical left is weak-minded. They can't see the forest from the street trees. They don't know that they're being herded like sheep into corrals of space, time, You know, I was corroborated. I posted something yesterday. I was corroborated when I said to you yesterday, and I've said it before, there's a limit to how much cobalt we can mine. And a report just came out that said there's a limit on uh, the different metals that that are needed to 
uh, actually refill batteries or recharge batteries. That these batteries that need replacement in 10 years for your car, whatever, we don't have enough resources to do that. And if we don't, if it's not about resources, it's about the time it takes to get the cobalt in the slave mines. It's it's a very hand by hand driven exercise. And if you were to uh, watch a couple of videos or or read a couple of reports about how to actually t- dismantle a battery and put it into a place where it's not contaminating the earth. It has it's a very manual process as well. And like I said about natural oil and gas, we have an abundance of that that replenishes itself through the molten lava of the inner core of our earth. There's a process, I'm not a scientist, but it happens that the oil does regenerate. The oil got there in a certain process. And when we take oil out, it refills. It gets it gets into that process. The process is constant. And so this experiment, this whole thing is fleeting. It's temporary. This whole thing about electric vehicles is not going to make it. We would have done it a long time ago. Do you know that some of the first oldest cars in America or in the world were electric Batteries is not necessarily a new idea. So it just, it wasn't, we didn't do it that way for a reason. And now we're starting to find out that the science, the scientists, you know, were pretty much paid for by the World Economic Forum and lied to us. And so now we talk about Rishi Sunak and He is nothing but a puppet of the World Economic Forum. But then again, every single candidate that was in line to be the prime minister over in the UK was a puppet of Klaus Schwab. Just like Klaus Schwab touted touted this, we we have half the cabinet in the Canadian parliament. Proud to say that. And now he's infiltrated the United Kingdom. Why? Why? Let's take a listen to Rishi Sunak from India, but doesn't have an accent. He has a British accent. In fact, a lot of people are taking jokes and saying, if you've ever listened to the Siri voice for the uh, male, the male Siri voice from England, he sounds just like it. Perfect voice, perfectly educated, super wealthy. He's worth about $800 million. And here it is. At a time of severe supply restrictions, an unconstrained fiscal stimulus does risk making the problem worse. We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However, we do know so global energy systems, food systems, and supply chains will be deeply affected. At a time of severe... Yeah, so it's, it's basically, he's saying overstimulation. I liked hearing that, actually. But Liz Truss um, also wanted to um, 
she was ousted because she wanted to practice a little bit of Margaret Thatcherism or um, a trickle-down economic approach. And what they're trying to do even here in America is suggest that Donald Trump was responsible for the national debt that we have because he lowered taxes when we shouldn't have. But the fact is, is that uh, trickle down and the Laffer curve and uh, Steve Morell's uh, contributions to you know economic uh, strategy uh, had an, a positive impact. The trickle down does work. Smaller governments do work in the end because it, it gets ahead of spending. And, it, and privatization of, of progress uh, also contributes to a lower, lower uh, debt, overall debt. So there's a lot of good, but the problem is we keep bouncing back from excessive spending by the Democrats and bigger government and then shrinking the government and going less. And it happens every four years when you need Basically, you need an 18-year cycle or something like that, you know, at least four terms and a half. And we might just get that with uh, Donald Trump winning in 2024, Ron DeSantis winning in 2028, Ron DeSantis winning in 2020, 2032, and then getting a uh, a Kerry Lake uh, to, uh, to, to precede that. <laughs> you never know. Um. We have a lot of different clips we're going to play. Uh, one I just queued up just to listen to Klaus Schwab talking about how he can, wants to control the scientists. Let's take Business, a of course, uh, as a very important audience, and we have politics. We have uh, uh, continuous uh, uh, He's talking about, Klaus Schwab is talking about all the different things that they have. They have these politicians like Justin Trudeau and and the guy from Finland, Rudek, Ruda, Ruda. And now they got Rishi Sudak, Sunak. Let's take a listen. As a very important audience, and we have politics. Politics. We have, uh, we have continuous we have. Uh, uh, partnerships with many governments around the world. Partnerships with governments. And of course, we have NGOs. Uh, we have... NGOs are what funds the DAs in our country through uh, the help of George Soros. The unions, we have all those diff- The power unions, they're also connected with the Democrats, right? That dis- that destroy jobs by in- uh, increasing their demands unfairly. And it's not a free market anymore when they do that. NGOs, uh, we have trade unions, we have all those different parts. Media, of course. Media, of media course, right? we control the media. Yes, yes. We control the media. And very important. Um, very importantly, we control the scientists. Experts and scientists and academia. Because if we are looking at the future, I think we should look at new solutions, and the new solutions will be very much driven. By, by technological uh, developments. And we even have, uh, you even have religious leaders, right? Oh, religious we leaders, we have religion. social entrepreneurs, very important. Mm, social, social, we get uh, people to think a certain way, social. Social entrepreneurs. Yeah. Business. Uh, it's co- absolutely disgusting. And people who fall for this are the problem. we got to get smarter as a population. And what they're doing, you know, this whole thing about crime and these DAs, these woke DAs, like Rasner, Krasner was out uh, playing the race card again 
And he doesn't want to talk about his dismal record and what's happening to his state and what's happening to the city of Philadelphia, really. Um, and this cash bail thing is just killing cities and allowing these criminals to kill people on the subway trains and, and uh, in the streets and through drug addictions. And like I say, why? The same people that are supporting these World Economic Forum policies that are allowing these open borders to put COVID and drugs into our systems, into our, our, our societies, into our country. And those have been the two biggest things, weapons of choice for them. And when you speak up, they want to control your money like they did the Ottawa truckers in Canada. Do you recall? Where they had the GoFundMe page and they took the money right out of the account. They froze it. So digital currency, CBD, central bank digital currencies are what their next goal is. So they control the censorship in the media. It's a one-track, one-pony show over at CNN and MSNBC. They got the big tech media that's censoring every word you say, and they ban you from saying it. And that's that was the detriment of the hell that we've been through with COVID because if people were allowed to take hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, a lot of people would have survived, but that wasn't their goal. Their goal was to social distance you, so you keep you from talking to each other, keep you from sharing ideas, keep you from um, socially accepting the idea that we need to buck the system, that we need to fight back against our government. They divided us with Black Lives Matter violence and two standards of justice. This is what they're doing, folks. And the net result is, why would they want to kill the middle class? Why would they want to kill off the weak? Well, the weak are expensive. The weak cost the state money in the, in the, uh, in the jail cells. You know how much it costs to keep an inmate in jail? A lot. Feed them. Health, haircuts, beds, TVs, you name it. It's expensive. Let's just get rid of them. And the problem is other countries have gotten that memo too. Like Venezuela is emptying their jail cells and allowing them to come through our open border. They're not coming through nearly as much now because we've, they've already gotten rid of them all. And you better believe that the communist in charge Maduro of Venezuela, Maduro, he's happy. He saved himself a buck. And now he's got Biden begging him for oil. He's making a buck. How stupid are we to be played by a third world socialist like Maduro in Venezuela? But that's Joe Biden. That's Joe Biden. So we have just way too much going on here and one of the things we want to do is play a couple of clips of things that are, are, are indicating change first we I wanted to take a listen to um, 
to Rishi Sunak and get get through this phase of our show. Here's where he says about CBDCs. This is the control of your pocketbook. Let's take a listen. Today, I'm proud to say that under the UK's presidency, the group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7, is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments and central banks across the world are working together, looking into what having a digital currency might mean in practice. This includes issues that people care about, such as ensuring users' money would be safe and secure, that it could safe work with other secure. ways to pay, would be energy efficient and available to everyone. A potential CBDC could offer businesses and consumers new ways to pay in the future. It's all part of the wider story of digital innovation that has delivered benefits to millions around the world and in the UK. The decision on whether to launch a central bank digital currency is for each country to make, and no G7 jurisdiction has yet made that choice. These decisions raise important questions about the reshaping of our economy, financial systems, and the way in which people interact with money and payments. That's why working together and careful evaluation with our international partners is essential. In the UK earlier this year, I announced a new joint task force between the Treasury and the Bank of England to look into a potential CBDC as a complement to cash and bank deposits. We're also hearing from firms, technology experts and others. Under the leadership of the UK, this report today will help support and inform exploration of CBDCs in the G7 and beyond. With these principles, the G7 is leading an important step change in the global policy conversation. The report covers a range of important matters, such as financial stability, cyber resilience, energy efficiency, privacy, inclusion, and tackling illicit finance. These factors should all be considered when designing and potentially delivering a CBDC that would be fit for the future. Our shared objective is to ensure that CBDCs would be grounded in long-standing commitments to transparency, the rule of law and sound economic governance. The G7 will continue its work in this important area, working with others to enhance understanding and use of these principles. We're excited to be taking a leading role with G7 members in publishing this exploratory work, bringing money and finance into the 21st century. All right, so that sounds great, right? And digital currency, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan in terms of theory. But everything he just said there about uh, transparency, when was the last time governments have ever been transparent? Fair. When, when is the last time they've been fair? Privacy. When was the last time we ever had privacy? See, he talks about all these things, but what he's not talking about is the exploitation and the power and control over people and their speech and censoring them or else. He's not talking about the social credit score systems and the chips that they want to put into your body to track you, your every move. The phone is not enough because you may not be holding that in your hand and you, you'd be off the grid. We need to put you on the grid 24-7. And they can somehow talk about 
That's the best way to get rid of crime. See, I mean, that's the brochure. And I believe he is probably one of the most qualified to actually pull off that because he's because of his Goldman Sachs background and he's he's been remarkably successful and he made his own fortune. So you say, okay, the guy is obviously no dummy. 42 years old, smart as a whip. And it remains to, to be seen how he will bring United Kingdom back onto its feet. Because right now the pound is almost equal to the dollar and so is the EU. The EU is $1, 1.01 EU to $1. It used to always be like a dollar a, a dollar fifty would buy you an e, a euro. At least. So, you know, in one sense, now's the time to go to Europe because the inflation's just as bad here as it is in Europe, but yet your dollar is equal to the euro. So it's not a bad time to travel over there. But, uh, you know, that's that's a currency issue. But um, the amount of control that the state would have over us, and one other aspect you say, well, why is it that they want to kill off the middle class? Well, the middle class, um, and, and, and then think about this for a second. This is a, like a little bit of a different twist. But one of the arguments that they're making about open borders and one of the arguments that they're making about baby booms and things like that, the baby boomers are retiring. That was the largest great, you know, there was the great generation, then the baby boomers, then Generation X. And there is a lot more of us there. And now family units are, people are getting started later with their families. They're having less children. Why? In part because they can't afford it. It used to be that one blue collar dad would be able to buy a house, buy a car, raise four kids, and support his wife on one blue-collar salary. And that's no longer, you know, the case. You cannot do that now. And there's a whole thing, you know, even, you know, if you get into the GDP and the ratios, you know, and the ratio for rent or the ratio for anything else, they say, you know, you should make at least 40% of, you know, your uh, 40%. There's a threshold before you start to go bankrupt. The ratio for GDP is like 90%. And once you start to do that, you're going to be paying all interest and it, you have economic collapse. Back in back in the um, Reagan era, our GDP ratio was around 30%. And now it's, it's 130%. Uh, 90 is the threshold to where you're not underwater. Our country's underwater and look at what we're doing to Ukraine. And look at what Joe Biden said about climate. We're going to go ahead and pay other countries to buy climate. He's only saying that because if he stimulates the world's climate initiative market of electric vehicles, his son, Hunter, who was involved with um, mining uh, investments in the uh, Congo and battery manufacturing in China, is going to benefit from that. So he's going to make, give money away and stimulate a false market that's never going to have a future because the Bidens 
are so stupid. And that, that electric vehicle thing is never going to be, if everybody adopted electric batteries, we would never have enough cobalt or natural resources to sustain it. And they know it. It has no future. It will have no future. Fossil fuels is the, the way. And the smartest people in our histories, our country's history, knew it. And that's why they adopted fossil fuels and not electric batteries. We had the know-how to do it. We chose not to. Because one was just a better choice over the other. And now they're trying to say, well, the better choice has consequences, CO2 emissions. Well, it's turning out that that's not even really the case. That scientist after scientist after scientist is now coming out saying, this is all a hoax. And that we're yet falling for another one. So why are they trying to kill the middle class with, with cash bail and allowing criminals to kill us in the streets and allow open borders to... Uh, drown us out in terms of our voting voice and power and to allow fentanyl to kill our children and to allow COVID to come out and kill our elderly. Why are we allowing this to happen? Because those are the expenses of society. The elderly are are, are a burden on the government. The weak-minded and drug abusers are a burden, and the criminals are a burden on government. So what they want is they want to destroy that middle class, import a dependent class of cheap labor. And you say, well, okay, what about... They, oh, so we were talking about the great generation, baby boomers and, and Gen X, And they're retiring off now. So what to do about it? Well, COVID can get rid of them, right? They're elderly. They're vulnerable. Let's get rid of them. Let's import all these voters. Well, you know, our our workers. And, And the problem, again, is that the same people that are talking about not having enough labor. Okay, now this is the juxt, this is the crux. The same people like, Bill Gates and company, who are talking about um, the world being overpopulated, are also the same people saying we don't have enough labor. So we need to open the borders and get workers to come in to create labor, to, do, to, to create the supply chain, to, to help the society that way, and to make it affordable for corporations to uh, create uh, industry and they're doing that in Silicon Valley as well and you know they're doing it with all sectors they're doing it in agriculture they're doing it with their vineyards and, and with our meat packing plants and with our uh, gig economy I mean it's all over the place and they're just flooding into our country in the millions and you say well why don't we put our own people back to work first? Well, oh, because our people are too educated. They don't want to do it. we got to get these cheap people in. Nancy Pelosi even admitted it. She basically said, we need people to work our fields. Who are we going to get? It was like a racist insult, really, to the, to, the, to the illegal migrants that are coming through. But nevertheless, 
They can't understand English anyway, so they never heard her say it. They don't have a TV. But they're coming through. And the, and the point is, is that you can't have it both ways. You can't say that the population is, is uh, we're overpopulated as a uh, world, and we're never going to have enough resources to sustain 9 billion people. Or we're, we're having a labor shortage. We don't have enough people. I, I, I correct myself, right? So you can't, can you have it both ways? Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. They're saying that the developing countries, say out of Africa or out of the Middle East, um, they're having way more babies than they should. And, you know, these wealthy white nations are having so few. And part of the reason why they're having few is because they're, the, the fabric of their society, chipping away, they've become more secular. They're not getting married. And this whole equal thing, you know, women have just as much rights as men to do whatever. And all of a sudden, the family unit, as we've known it, has broken down. And children are being grow- growing up without parents in the home. They're either out working or they're dependent on drugs, or they're in, incarcerated. You know, and and uh, single-parent homes don't get it done economically, as we've just mentioned. So there's a lot of little wrinkles to this whole puzzle and problem. But the same people that are talking about an overpopulated world and that we need to figure out ways, like Bill Gates said, reproductive services, a.k.a. abortions, uh, socialized medicine, a.k.a. death panels, and new vaccines, a.k.a. COVID, right? Okay. At the same time he's talking about that, he's talking about climate. And he's talking about too many people in the world, but then he's talking about labor shortages. So we gather up and we get all these people from these developing nations that are dependent on our government. They're going to come in and work like Chinese laborers for the Chinese government, but only here in America. See, that's what it is. Is we could afford to foot their bill. We could afford to bring them in. We can afford to bring them in and give them shelter because they're going to then make our corporations rich with cheap labor. And those corporations are going to be the tax base which is, again, the reason why it is that the government is answering to the corporation, you see. And it's the exact reason why it is that the World Economic Forum is in play. And it's exactly why it is that they're infiltrating these governments. Because it's their agenda. It's the Davos agenda. It's the G7 agenda. It's the globalist agenda to move people around the globe, put them into industrial centers, get them to live off the government for, uh, with, with the help of the government, and work on the cheap for the corporations who sustain the government financially and who benefit from this which is the reason why they've adopted the woke policies. Because the same Black Lives Matter that's burning their houses down are the same slave laborers that they're going to actually prop up 
and get to work for next to nothing. It's basically their workforce that's burning their properties down. The workforce doesn't that's burning their properties down in the name of Black Lives Matter thinks it's a cultural war, and it's not. And the corporations know exactly who they are. They're the future laborers of America. They just don't know it yet. It's sad, man. But it's no different than China's labor force. And I wouldn't be and I wouldn't be surprised if you sat in on one of these Davos meetings and said, We could do what China's doing. How are we going to compete with China? How are we going to compete with their one point five billion slave laborers? Well, we do what the globalists are doing. The globalists can say we could do this we could do this just just as well as China. We can move all these people out of Africa, out of the Congo, put them into America, get them to drive our cars and and run our dishwashers and make our she- uh, change our beds in the hotels and 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 process the meat packing plants and do all kinds of stuff like that. Meanwhile, there's no one left to defend their Congo minerals, so we'll just go ahead and take all the precious minerals out of their land. They're not living there anymore. They're living in New York or they're living in some state in America. Thanks to Joe Biden and Mayorkas' open border policy. And the people that are footing this bill and the people whose lives are being destroyed as a result of this experiment is the middle class, which is falling into the quicksand foundation of our country and that is the illegal migrants yeah the illegal migrants are like cinders burning the infrastructure of the middle class's houses and that middle class is going to collapse just like the world trade center got so hot it melted and crushed and just collapsed on 9-11 And the same thing is happening to the middle class. At some point, there's going to be a breaking point and it's going to fall into the ashes of the open migration, illegal migrants. And we're all going to be doomed. We're all going to be dependent on governments that answer to Klaus Schwab. And yes, there are some valiant troopers out there There are some valiant troopers out there, but it's not enough. You take this woman from Canada. It was great to hear her speak. Um, And uh, let's see. I think I have it here. I got a lot of different clips we still have to get through. So there was a couple of really great moments in the uh, debate. But I do want to listen to this one I want to play this one clip. Oh, I think I have it right here. Okay. All right. So, as a matter of fact, I don't. All right. Well, um, in any case, what it is is that that there is a woman uh, from Canada that basically uh, said, we are not right here. I think this is it. The fall as well is a change to the Human Rights Code to make it in, um, illegal to discriminate against anyone on the basis of their COVID vaccination status. Now, I recognize that there are still some organizations 
and some businesses in Alberta that is doing that. And I just want to sort of give you fair warning that we are going to be making a, a serious pivot in that regard. And I would just ask if you would work with us to align your policies with the direction that we want to go in Alberta. Because we want to send the message to the community and to the world community and to the investment markets that this is a place that is open for business, that this is a place that believes in freedom, this is a place that believes in free enterprise, and this is a place where we are not going to be making arbitrary decisions that are going to disproportionately impact the small and medium businesses in this province. So one of the things that... Okay, and uh, here's another one right here. Okay, we played this clip yesterday, and she does apologize. It's uh, a lady from Alberta. And listen to this guy, um, right, Trudeau and his costly coalition with the NDP. Okay, so let's take a listen to this. The last thing we need is a new tax increase on our people. Look what is happening in Newfoundland. According to the Newfoundland Premier, um, he said, and I'm quoting a liberal. No, this was not the clip either. Um, there's, a, there's a really great clip I'm looking for, and I apologize, um, but it is going to be worth it. Um, so what this woman says, though, is she says we need to uh, get, rid of, uh, get rid of the World Economic Forum influences in, in America or, or in Canada. And I, I thought it's about time that leaders in governments start to speak up about that um, because it's, a, it's, a, it's getting to be a real problem. I also wanted to read this uh, net zero bombshell. It says, the world does not have enough lithium and cobalt to replace all batteries every 10 years. And that's a Finnish government report that stated that. So... There's that. And, um, oh, here it is. Thank goodness I found it. All right. So this clip here is going to be a good one. Alberta premiered, okay, her name is Danielle Smith. She's saying all, I love this woman. The, uh, this time she punches back at Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. Until the organization stops bragging about how much control they have, over political leaders, I have no interest in being involved with them. How refreshing to hear that. Let's take a listen. I guess I find it distasteful when billionaires brag about how much control they have over political leaders, as the head of that organization has. And I think that that is offensive. The people who should be directing government are the people who vote for them. And the people who vote for me and for my colleagues are people who live in Alberta and who are affected by our decisions. And so, quite frankly, until that organization stops bragging about how much control they have over political leaders, I have no interest in, in, in being involved with them. My focus is here in Alberta solving problems for, for Albertans with the mandate from Albertans. So Alberta, man, they got themselves a great leader. Alberta Premier, she should be the next prime minister, honestly. Uh, this woman here... Danielle Smith, make a note, make a note of her name. She's as good as Carrie Lake. Let me tell you something. Let's listen to Carrie Lake. Uh, very similar in her approach. Let's take a listen to Carrie Lake. A lot of people of color feel like they're unfairly targeted by police. You know, is, is, um, are they wrong? To 
of color feel like? Did you hear that question? A lot of people of color feel like they're unfairly targeted by police. Unfair, um, uh, a lot of people of color feel like they're un, uh, they're being targeted by police. That's the That's it. Carrie, a lot of people of color feel like they're unfairly targeted by police. You know, is is um, are they wrong to feel that way? And regardless of whether there's any merit there, um, what can you as a governor do to improve um, perception of police? Pe- uh, you know, ensure that everybody feels like. Can you repeat the first part of that? I missed that. Yeah, a lot of people of color feel like they're a lot of people targeted. of color. A lot of people of co- how many people of color have you talked to about that? I mean, if you look at surveys, um, which surveys? I'm happy to I'm happy to look at those stats so, because so I will tell you this: that I talk to people of color. I talk to all Arizonans. They're all concerned about the crime. Just because your skin isn't the same color as yours, doesn't mean you want your kids to be walking down the street in an unsafe neighborhood. Every Arizonan wants safety and security in their neighborhood. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. And, I, and if you look at stats, you will look and see that, that police do not target people of color. That is a lie that's been perpetuated by the left and then spread and disseminated and re-spread in the media. Check the stats. Check the stats. You don't believe that's an opinion a lot of people of color have? Uh, I don't. I think you guys find one or two people, three or four, and they're activists oftentimes, and then you spread that narrative. Go into a neighborhood and ask the people in neighborhoods that are minority neighborhoods, do you want fewer police? Do you want to defund the police? They will look at you like you are the craziest person on the planet. Nobody wants that. So more, more Republicans need to speak like that. That's how they. That's what they need to do. And here's another great example of Carrie Lake owning the media. She got this from Trump, I'm sure. And uh, I think at one point she was a Democrat, and now she's a Republican. But you know, one thing you can learn from Trump is call the media out whenever they're making stuff up, or surveys said, or scientists. You know, who are these people? The question is, you over the weekend, everybody, you took the Google all over the world. Your name was ringing everywhere. And one of them, yes, ma'am, because I have the scale. And one of them has a Muslim or accent. Is she a, 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 an election denier, Carrie Lake? And that was like, like going around on all different cable news. What do you elaborate on this? I'm actually shocked you asked that question, George. <laughs> well, actually, Anthony, where's Anthony? Once in a while. <laughs> Here, Anthony. You know, I, I did a little, actually, Anthony. Anthony, how old are you? 20. Are you a journalist? No. Well, you did better research than half these people. Um, let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh, wow, look at this. This is from, this is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that. Is that an election denier? Oh, look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. This is outright Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? This one says, was the 2016 election legitimate it now definitely is a question worth asking that's the los angeles times 
So it's okay for Democrats to question elections, but it's not okay for Republicans. It's a crock of BS. Every one of you knows it. We have our freedom of speech, and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists. If you want a copy of these, I'm sure that we're, Anthony would help you get a copy and help you learn how to be journalists, but look it up. It's been happening for a long time. Since 2000, people have questioned the legitimacy of our elections. And all we're asking is that in the future, we don't have that have to happen anymore. When I'm governor, excuse me, when I'm governor, we're going to make sure we have honest elections. We want the Democrats, the independents, and the Republicans to all know that their vote counted. We want fair, honest, and transparent elections. And we're going to deliver that for the people. But just remember, guys... This is one page after Hillary Clinton says George W. Bush was selected president, not elected. So let's start. If you're going to start throwing around terms like election denier, let's remember who the other election deniers were, Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats. Tulsi Gabbard endorsed her. And, you know, you got to say to yourself, what the heck is Mitch McConnell doing? What a loser that guy is. Right. Um, More patriots. Trump's uh, supporters and uh, Trump-endorsed candidates are uh, running. And uh, DeSantis is no exception. He says, I'm proud of our history. I don't want to teach kids to hate our country. I don't want to teach kids to hate each other. And the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. Perfect. I'm proud of our history. I don't want to teach kids to hate our country. I don't want to teach kids to hate each other. And the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. Does that make sense to you? All this equity stuff that Kamala Harris is pushing is all racist. You know, Katanji Brown Jackson is uh, was hired on the basis of race and gender. That's as racist as you can get. And this was Joe Biden that did that. And he had the stupidity to announce it. Yeah, we're going to pick up because of political points. And anybody, any woman in any black person that actually endorses that isn't seeing uh, clearly about what or could not probably uh, define what racism is if they're practicing it. Because equity is a racist agenda. So uh, he's talking about a crisis of, uh, in the classroom. Okay, and this is, uh, this is uh, Ron DeSantis. It's totally wild to me that, they, that saying biological men shouldn't compete against women in sports is considered controversial here on here. Nearly 100% of sports fans agree with this. I don't even see... It is remotely political. It's just basic common sense. I also signed, I'm the, I'm the father of a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old daughter as well as a four-year-old son, but my daughters are very athletic, and we signed legislation to protect the right of women athletes, that you should not have someone competing on the men's team for three years and then switch to the women's team. Charlie Crist opposed that bill. Time. He said he would have vetoed it. I'm going to protect women's sports in the state of Florida. I also Charlie Crist. <laughs> He has no chance against DeSantis, trust me. Um, DeSantis destroys Chris for supporting gender surgeries for minors. If you're a 15-year-old, you can't get a tattoo in the state of Florida. Yet we're saying you can get a double mastectomy. (laughs) 
Charlie Chris supports it. You're a 15-year-old. You can't go get a tattoo in the state of Florida, yet we're saying you could get a double mastectomy. Of course not. It is inappropriate to do this for minors, and in Florida, uh, we are not going to allow that to happen. You're- and Charlie Chris just sits there like a dodo brain. I mean, I don't know how you defend this stuff. This is the, just great that we're finally getting to see these things being really, that, you know, contrasted between the candidates. Here we go. Here's another one. But I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Chris. <laughs> that was another one. <laughs> this is a great debate. Do you know how many days Charlie Chris showed up for work in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> 14 days. Governor? So we had the border that was in much better shape in January of 2021. The Biden administration reversed almost every policy that was in place, and they opened the floodgates. That's why we have the problem. It's not from some phantom piece of legislation. And, you know, I hear Charlie Chris talking about some of this other stuff. You know, he as a congressman made $174,000 a year. You know how many days he showed up to work in Washington, D.C. this year? 14 days. Imagine that deal for you. You show up 14 days and you make over 100 grand. That's the type of That's effort time, this Governor. guy puts into actually doing his job. <laughs> that is the way you debate and beat down. Uh, I got to tell you, um, uh, we're going to reserve the Ted Cruz exchange with The View uh, tomorrow um, because we're running out of time. The other thing we want to get to that we didn't get to today is. There's some new tape out that CNN accidentally released related to Nancy Pelosi's daughter uh, doing the documentary footage on January 6th. And Ray Epps is part of the acting. It's unbelievable. But we're going to cover that tomorrow as well. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in today and ask everybody to um, check out our sponsors, tacticalcivics.com who is uh, teaching us how to um, take back our country locally, setting up local chapters. Also, Genesis Gold, the economy is collapsing, the bond market is weak, uh, the stock market is inflated, and there's a lot of volatility there, and the housing market is crashing. Gold is one of your best bets, and every financial Wizard is saying that right now. And what better way to transfer your IRA to an I, a gold IRA, uh, which is through Genesis Gold? You can call 1-800-385-4653. That's 1-800-385-GOLD for Genesis Gold. Use MyPillow. Use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And be sure to check out Magapack.org. To find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye bye, everybody.